Take your Bibles, if you would, and we're going to open to two places this morning. Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8. Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8, if you'll just kind of hold your place. And we'll read both scriptures in just a moment. And I trust you've had a good week, and I see because you're here that you didn't melt. <laughs> Boy, it's been hot, and, and this week, of course, is going to be kind of a heat wave. I say that little heat dome is passing over us again, and uh, circumstances are creating that effect. And so it's going to be a hot week, but we do have some rain in the forecast, and so that'll help it keep a little cool. And uh, hopefully after that, maybe this... Scorching weather will be past us, and we can just have a normal summer. We'll see what happens. No promises, right? And uh, we'll just see what comes. Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8. All right, if you found your place in those two passages, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. We'll read a couple of verses, and then have you be seated, and we'll get right into the message. Let's have a word of prayer first, and then we'll read these verses together. All right, let's pray together. Father, how we love you today. How we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying on Calvary. Uh, Lord, that we might be forgiven of our sins and receive eternal life through the the finished work of the cross that Jesus provided for all of us. Lord, we just thank you so much for uh, the word of God and and the house of God. Thank you for the privilege to worship in freedom among Christian friends today. And we just ask that you take the word now and use it to do your work in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we pray that you'll just uh, shape us, speak to us, Lord, show us what you'd have us do. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Mark chapter 4, let's look together at verse 24, and then we'll go to Luke chapter 8. Mark 4, verse 24, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. Or um, to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. Now, you may want to underline that last part. Very interesting how the Lord Jesus here is teaching, and he says this Unto you that hear shall more be given. It's a great principle in the Bible. I don't know if you ever heard that taught before, but I believe this is a principle of discipleship. It, it begins, though, at the very first hearing. For those who hear, who believe and receive the message God gives them, in other words, when when a person hears truth and receives it, God gives them more truth. This verse is our text for that that, uh, theology behind that. that. That's how God allows us to grow, first to the point of receiving Him as Savior, and then after that, of course, He follows this principle. So you might be thinking of uh, maybe someone in the Bible like Pharaoh. Pharaoh was confronted by Moses. Moses, you know, revealed God to him. The Bible says Pharaoh hardened his heart. Now that happened repeatedly, but then there came a point in time, remember, where God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Why did he do that? Because Pharaoh had already hardened his heart several times to the truth. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy, remember? And he said, when we turn away from the truth, those who turn away will be turned unto fables. 
Why would God let that happen? Because they turned away from the truth. When that happens, they enter into error. Error has no boundaries. They become vulnerable to those who would turn them then into fables. That's how people believe falsehoods. That's how people believe crazy things. They get swept off into that because oftentimes, somewhere along the way, they turn away from the truth. So Jesus is telling us in verse 24, Unto you that hear shall more be given. Remember that. It's a very important spiritual principle. Okay, we always want to acknowledge and receive the truth anytime we hear it. Now, if you would, turn to Luke chapter 8. You were holding your place there. And we're going to look at verse 18. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Both of these verse, verses are teaching the same principle, though worded just a little bit differently. One says, take heed what you hear. One says, take heed how ye hear. All right? The principle is all-inclusive. It applies to both. And so I want to preach this morning a message that I've entitled, Great Hearers. Great Hearers. And my prayer is that you and I would become that, learning these principles from Scripture. Thank you. You may be seated. And as you're being seated, I want to look at just a few verses in the scriptures, thinking about great hearers. You know, as we get started this morning, I want to say this, that down through the history of Christianity, there's been, there's been much attention and there's been much ado about great preachers. And you can read about them, you can read their sermons, you, you, you can see what happened in years gone by, in days gone by, revivals that have come and gone, great churches that have been built and all of those kind of things. And there's been a lot of attention on great preachers. You and I do it today. We think about those who are our favorites, who stand out in our mind. Great preachers. Often uh, people connect with preachers who maybe can make them laugh, uh, maybe make them cry. Uh, you know, uh, they remember them, the sensation. They remember how they felt uh, when they gave a certain message uh, at a certain meeting. Sometimes we need to be thinking more about how their message helped us than how it made us feel. For example, if you went to the doctor and you enjoyed going to this doctor because you felt like you could just sit and talk and share your symptoms and all of that, but um, you never got any help. The symptoms never got better. The doctor didn't give you medicine that would make a difference or maybe no medicine at all. Well, after a while, you'd wake up to that and you'd, you'd find another doctor, right? Because it's not enough that you just feel comfortable in his presence. You want to get well, amen? <laughs> and you know, as Christians, we, we need to learn to think the same way because it's not just about having a great presentation in a message. The bottom line is, are you growing spiritually? Are you better as a Christian this year than you were last year? Are you learning new principles and new truth that you can apply to strengthen your faith, to develop your Christian character, to grow in your walk with the Lord. Hey, that's what's really important. And, and that's what you should be measuring 
on a personal level. Now, we spend all this time thinking about great preachers. And I want you to know, in every generation, there's been great preachers. And, and that's good, and that's true. And you have your favorites, I have mine. It's all, it's all wonderful. But we talk very little about great hearers. And I want to submit this idea this morning that maybe, maybe some of the great preachers of the past were considered to be great because they were met by great hearers. Just as you would consider someone speaking to you, what kind of a speaker are they? How good are they? You should look in the mirror on occasion and say, how good of a hearer am I? Not, not how much do I listen, but how well do I hear? It's an important principle in the Christian life that we need to think about. Mark chapter 4, verse 20 says this, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word of God and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some in hundred. The point is that those great hearers not only heard the truth, but they received it, and because they received it, they bore fruit. It's not the quantity of fruit that matters so much as the fact that they are bearing fruit. And as you know, that's an allusion to the parable of the sower. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives the parable of the sower to his disciples. And later they came and asked him, hey, explain this to us. And he said, well, if you don't understand this parable, you, how can you understand all parables? And so he began to explain the parable of the sower. And he said, the sower is sowing the word of God. The seeds are the word of God. As he sows the word of God, those seeds, they fall in different places. They fall on different types of ground. And then Jesus began to explain that the different types of ground was a picture, a representation of the different types of soil in our heart. So the word of God, does it fall on a hard-hearted person? Sometimes it does. And what happens? Jesus, through that parable, told us the devil comes like the birds, remember? Swoop down and eat those seeds and take them away. And so guess what? When our hearts are hardened and when, when we don't allow the truth of God's word to fall, to penetrate deeply within us, when we hear it but don't receive it, what happens? The Bible says Jesus taught that the devil comes to snatch away that truth. I paused this morning as I read that. And I thought, wow, you know, we don't give much thought to it. But did you know Jesus is telling us the devil is capable of taking from you what God intended you to have. He's, he's able to rob you of truth in your life that would develop and produce fruit later on. He does it by coming and snatching away those, those seed thoughts. I'm sure if we just sat a little bit and thought about that, we could think of the multiple ways the devil could snatch away things from us. That's not the point of the message. The point of the message this morning is, what type of soil is in your heart? What kind of a hearer are you? Is it like the wayside where everybody walked? That soil was packed and, and hardened pretty well so that the seeds could not penetrate. Remember, Jesus said the birds came and ate those seeds and took them away. 
Then there was other ground where the thorns came up and choked out the word. And then he said there was good ground that produced fruit in different variations, right? We're not all going to do the same things, but, but is there going to be fruit in your life? Hey, there should be. It all depends on the soil of your heart, how tender it is to receive the word of God. In verse 23, Jesus said in that parable, he said, if a man have ears to hear, let him hear. In John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And he said, they follow me. It tells us that hearing isn't enough for those who are sheep. You're following the Lord Jesus. It's not enough for you to hear his voice. You want to follow his voice. It's not enough to hear his word. You want to receive his word. You want it to penetrate, to take root in your heart this morning. Now, we all know there's different types of, of listeners in the Bible. There's easy listeners. Oh, those are the ones that they like the smooth things. They like the fun topics. They, they, they like the good, the good sermons. You know, they, they call them the sugar sticks. The easy listeners. But when you get to those hard topics, those, uh, those subjects, you know, that are hard to do, uh, you know, like, for, like loving your enemies and forgiving people and, and uh, maybe for some uh, things like following the Lord, uh, being obedient and faithful, tithing, uh, you know, joining the church and being consistent in your life. Uh, different people uh, look at different topics in different ways, but, but things that begin to challenge you and become hard, sometimes people walk away from that. Remember in John chapter 6, verse 60? Jesus talked about salvation, and he told them that he was the Messiah. He said, I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. In John 6, 60, they, they heard that sermon, and then they looked, and think about this response. They said, oh, that's a hard saying. Who can hear it? And the Bible says later in that chapter that many walked away, and they followed him no more. Think about that. Would, would people leave and quit following the Lord because they heard a hard sermon? Oh, yes, some, some would. They're easy listeners. Then there's selective listeners. Like in Luke chapter 9, verse 27, he said, You did not hear. This was spoken by the blind man who was healed, and they kept questioning him over and over. Who did this to you? What was his name? What happened? And he finally said, You didn't hear what I said. Why? Because they were selectively listening. They were hearing what they wanted to hear. These were the people that were trying to, to set Jesus up and trap him in his words and his ways. In Mark chapter 8, verses 17 and 18, there's a question there, and it says, Hear ye not? These, this is referring to the hard-hearted listener. The one who turns off at certain things. See, they have that selective hearing. And they only want to hear certain, certain topics being preached. They just turn off the others. And then there's fruitful listeners. Like in Luke 8, 21, it says they hear the word of God and they do it. And in Mark chapter 4, verse 20, it says they hear the word of God and they receive it. You know, it's important for us, if we're going to grow in the Christian life, not just to hear the truth but to receive the truth and then obey it. Because if we don't put into practice 
what we learned in the Christian life, if we fail to live what we've learned, Brother James described us as being just hearers only and not doers. And he said, when you do that, you're just deceiving yourself. What you're doing is you're living a kind of virtual Christianity. You're imagining yourself closer to God. You're imagining yourself a better Christian, perhaps, than you really are. So different than a kid playing a video game. It's not real. It feels real, but it's not. And you know, that's where many Christians live because they live in the realm of intentions, but they never filter down into action. That's not what we want to be. We should heed what we hear. It's interesting in Philippians 4, 9, Paul talked about doing both. Doing both the things you've learned and received and, he said, doing the things you've heard and seen in me. In other words, it, it kind of indicated there's a, there's a level of obedience there. There's a, there's a measure of responsibility that we have once we've heard truth, even though that truth may not be fully planted in our hearts yet. One preacher said we're, we're often educated beyond our obedience, and I'm afraid sometimes that is the case. Great hearers. I don't know if you've ever considered how important it is that we have great hearers. As a matter of fact, it's so important that it, it doesn't matter if you have a great preacher if he's not met by great hearers then nothing gets done. Think about places that Jesus went where the Bible says he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. I think about the passage where Paul said the word didn't benefit them as it did you because they didn't receive it in faith. So, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, that two people can sit in the same congregation Maybe even on the same pew, they can hear the same sermon, but go out with two totally different conclusions, two totally different opinions about what was given or how the service went. One can be, have a changed life and the other could be bored to tears. That's because when we listen, we need to listen with our heart, not just our ear. How do you hear the word of God this morning? I want to invite you to stop right now and pray in your heart to the Lord and ask the Lord to help you to heed what you hear. Have you ever thought about praying before you hear a message or before you read the Bible and just saying, Lord, I want you to speak to my heart and I want you to know already before we ever begin, the answer is yes. Now you just tell me what you want me to do. How much more would we grow? How much more would we learn and receive if we already made up our minds, we're going to do what God says? What a question. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells that parable of the sower, and we didn't read all of that this morning. I'm borrowing a little bit of your prior knowledge here today. For time's sake, 
But in that parable, there's different types of ground. You remember in verse 4, there's the wayside. And that does represent the way some people hear the word of God. The seed just does not penetrate their heart. Then there was that group that Jesus described as the stony ground. It's kind of like, like it had gravel in it. So there's some dirt there, but there's some gravel so that the seed can't go deep. It does penetrate the soil. It does take a little root, but it's stony ground. So the, the root is very shallow. Obviously, that plant doesn't produce fruit. Then he said there's that thorny ground, that ground where other things occupy the soil. And so when the seed penetrates, it does, it does have a deep root system, and it does spring up, and it does grow, but then it gets choked out. And it can't really produce fruit like it would normally because there's other plants there that crowd it out. And Jesus said that represents the cares of this life. How that sometimes we can be distracted. We can pay more attention to earthly things than heavenly things. We can pay more attention to what's going on around us than what God is speaking to us. And if we're not careful, that distraction, that care for these temporal things will rob us of the fruit we could have for spiritual things. And then, of course, Jesus said there's that good ground, that place where the soil is unoccupied by other things and and the, the seed is able to penetrate deeply and develop a good root system and grow and then produce that fruit that you see so well. What are the three steps to listening in this parable? Jesus said, the first step is to hear. And can I say this morning, you can't hear the word of God if you're not present. So I'm glad you're here this morning. Because the first step is to hear the word of God. And by presenting yourself, by being here today, you've taken step one. You're under the sound of the gospel and Bible teaching and preaching. And today you are hearing the word of God, which is what was being talked about in Mark chapter 4. And by hearing the word of God, we've taken that first step. But there's a second step. Step number two is to receive. You see, because not everybody that hears the word of God receives it. Or we could say it like this. Not everyone who hears God's word believes it. You know, there are people that hear God's word and they question it. Well, we know from Genesis chapter 3, that's what the devil did. The serpent questioned the word. At every angle, he questioned the word. He, he, he dismantled God's truth and his promises through questioning. So you got to understand, not all questioning is healthy. Not all questioning is good. It depends on the motive behind the question. Are you asking the question to sincerely learn and grow in Christ? Or are you asking the question to undermine the authority behind the truth? To nullify the truth. There's a big difference. Receive the word. So when you hear it, do you receive it? 
You know, some people have to stop and think about that. Well, um, depends on what it is. If we're talking about hearing the word, why would it depend on what it is? Don't we believe that this is the word of God? And don't we believe that all of it is the word of God? So if we're talking about hearing the word, then why do we have to think or pray about whether we're going to receive it or believe it or not? I'm not talking about someone's opinion about the word. I'm talking about when we hear the word. You do know the difference, right? Do we receive the word? That's step number two. And then there's step three. Step three is to obey the word. In Mark chapter 4, he says it like this, bring forth fruit. So if our life is going to bring forth fruit, it's going to become, it's going to be because we obeyed the truth of God's word. God's word through us produces fruit. When we take action on what we've learned from the Bible, that's when we produce fruit in the Christian life. And we cannot produce that fruit without acting upon God's word. We have to live out God's principles in order for that spiritual fruit to occur or to be produced. And it doesn't matter what kind of fruit you're talking about. If you want to go to the book of Galatians and talk about the fruit of the Spirit, then I'm going to tell you this morning, you're not going to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life unless you've been in the Word of God because the fruit of the Spirit is not fleshly. It's not produced naturally by us. It goes against the grain of our normal behavior. The fruit of the Spirit is a spiritual way of life, and, it, and it's, a, it's a product, it's a byproduct of living in the Spirit and doing what God's Word says. We don't naturally display the fruits of the Spirit. If we did, they, they wouldn't be described as they are in Galatians as a special thing produced by the Holy Spirit at work in your life. So, what am I saying? It takes work to get to that. It takes work to produce that. And that's a spiritual fruit. All right, if you're talking about fruit, the Bible describes fruit as another believer, a new Christian. So, when you witness to someone and they trust Christ as their Savior, in a sense, that's, that's fruit. And the Bible refers to fruit in that way. But guess what? You're not going to be the kind of Christian that witnesses to others, shares Christ with them, and helps them to come to the Lord in faith, to be saved, if you're not living the Word of God yourself. You have to know a good bit to help someone get to that place of decision anyway. So you see what I'm saying? We're going to miss out on this fruitful realm if we're not living what we've learned in the Word. The question this morning is, how will you hear? What kind of soil will your heart be to the Word of God, to the truth of God? Now, the sermon today is on great hearers. I want to I do this this morning, if you'll, if you'll bear with me. I want to read the story of someone whose life illustrates what I'm talking about, of that of a great hearer. Now, I want you to understand, this is many years ago. This is days gone by. Back in the 1700s, we're going to take a little history trip this morning. 
I want you to meet a man by the name of Nathan Cole. And Cole was a man who lived in the days of the Great Awakening, and he heard preachers like George Whitfield. And this story occurred in one of those meetings where George Whitfield was coming to preach. George Whitfield, you know, was one of the preachers of that great revival meeting of the 1740s that we call the Great Awakening. There's a reason why it's called that, because it was a great revival, because it affected a lot of people. But I want you to think not about George Whitfield, who was one of the great preachers. I want you to listen to this story, and I want you to focus on Nathan Cole. Because I'm submitting to you this morning that Nathan Cole was a great hearer. And I think that is one of the things that made George Whitfield a great preacher. Because he was surrounded by great hearers. Now you listen to what Nathan Cole did. And you tell me if he was not a great hearer. Listen to this. George Whitfield led America's greatest revival, known as the Great Awakening in the 1740s. In the year 1740, George Whitfield came to preach in Middleton, Connecticut. In the following narrative, Nathan Cole, who later became a Baptist, described excitement generated by the ministry of the Great Awakener. He's talking about Whitfield. Cole's description should remind us that we need great hearers as well as great preachers. This is what he said. Now it pleased God to send Mr. Whitfield into this land. And my hearing of his preaching at Philadelphia, like one of the old apostles, and many thousands flocking to hear him preach the gospel, and great numbers were converted to Christ, I felt the Spirit of God drawing me by conviction. I longed to see him and hear him and wished he would come this way. I heard that he was come to New York and the Jerseys and great multitudes flocking after him under great concern for their souls, which brought on my concern more and more, hoping soon to see him. But next I heard that he was at Long Island, then at Boston, and next at Northampton. Then on a sudden... In the morning, about eight or nine of the clock, there came a messenger and said, Mr. Whitfield preached at Hartford and Weathersford yesterday and is to preach at Middleton this morning at ten of the clock. I was in my field at work. I dropped my tool that I had in my hand and ran home to my wife telling her to make ready quickly and to go and hear Mr. Whitfield preach at Middleton. Then I ran to my pasture for my horse with all my might, fearing that I should be too late. Having my horse, I with my wife soon mounted the horse and went forward as fast as I thought the horse could bear. And when my horse got much out of breath, I would get down and put my wife on the saddle and bid her ride as fast as she could and not stop or slack for me, except I bade her. And so I would run until I was much out of breath, and then mount my horse again. And so I did several times to favor my horse. We improved every moment to get along as if we were fleeing for our lives, all the while fearing we should be too late to hear the sermon. For we had 12 miles to ride, double, in little more than an hour, and we went round by the upper house in parish. 
And when we came within about half a mile or a mile of the road that comes down from Hartford, Weather, Hartford, Weathersford, and Stepney to Middleton, on high, lad, I saw before me a cloud of fog rising. At first I thought it came from the great river. But as I came nearer the road, I heard a noise of horses' feet coming down the road, and this cloud was a cloud of dust made by the horses' feet. It arose some rods into the air over the tops of hills and trees, and when I came within about twenty rods of the road, I could see men and horses slipping along in the cloud like shadows, and I drew nearer. It seemed like a steady stream of horses and their riders, scarcely a horse more than his length behind another. All of that lather and foam with sweat, their breath rolling out of their nostrils every jump. Every horse seemed to go with all his might to carry his rider to hear the news from heaven for the saving of souls. It made me tremble to see the sight, how the world was in a struggle. I found fancy between two horses to slip in mine, and my wife said, Law, our clothes will be all spoiled. See how they look. For they were so covered with dust that they looked almost all of a, co all of a color. Coats, hats, shirts, and horse. We went down to the stream, but heard, heard no man speak a word all the way for three miles, but everyone pressing forward in great haste. And when we got to Middleton, old meeting house, there was a great multitude. It was said to be three or four thousand people assembling together. We dismounted and shook off our dust, and the ministers were then coming to the meeting house. I turned and looked towards the great river and saw the ferry boats running swift backward and forward, bringing over loads of people, and the oars rode nimble and quick. Everything, men, horses, and boats, seemed to be struggling for life. The land and banks of the river looked black with people and horses, all along the twelve miles, I saw no man at work in his field, but all seemed to be gone. When I saw Mr. Whitfield come upon the scaffold, he looked almost angelical. A young, slim, slender youth before some thousands of people with a bold, undaunted countenance. In my hearing how God was with him everywhere as he came along, it solemnized in my mind and put me into a trembling fear before he began to preach. For he looked as if he was clothed with authority from the great God, and a sweet solemn solemnity sat upon his brow, and my hearing him preach gave me a heart wound. By God's blessing, my old foundation was broken up, and I saw that my righteousness would not save me. What a story. Well, obviously, he got saved. Do you see what I mean, though, about great hearers? I wonder today if we went by and told a friend, hey, we're having a revival meeting at Beckwith Baptist Church. <laughs> I wonder if they would drop everything and get in their nice air-conditioned car and stroll down to the church house. Well, you know, likely, maybe not. But in those days, they dropped everything in the field, ran, got the horse, jumped, and rode for their lives. 
And he said, the whole 12-mile trip, he said, I didn't see anybody working in the field. Everybody around him had done the same thing he had. They dropped everything, and they went to hear the preaching. Can I tell you something? No wonder they had a great revival. No wonder there was a great awakening. Not because of the Whitfields, praise God for them, but because of the Nathan Coles. There would have been no great awakening if George Whitfield had got to the house and there was nobody there to hear him preach, three, four, ten people. But oh no. When he got there on that day, there were thousands. He said it looked like ants on the ground, black everywhere, people coming from miles around to hear the preacher. Now I know, I know, things were different back then. They didn't have air-conditioned church houses. They didn't have sermons every week. If you wanted to hear some preaching, you better go when the preacher came by because you don't know when the next time you'd get another preacher come through. But that did something in the heart of those listeners and people who came to hear the word of God. They came with something in them. They were great hearers. And what was that? What is it they had on the inside that maybe we're missing today? And that's what I want to share with you in this message. When we read the testimony of Nathan Cole, a hearer of George Whitfield, who was converted and later became a Baptist, we are hearing from the heart of a great hearer. So what is a great hearer? I want to give you a few thoughts as we close. Number one, a great hearer looks to God. Great hearers look to God. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Great hearers come looking for God in the message. Great hearers look for God in the word. Hey, you know what? Your approach to the Bible makes all the difference of how it is going to be received and how it is going to be acted upon or whether it's going to be acted upon. That is not the fault of the preacher. That responsibility is on you. How do you come to the Word of God? You know, if we come to the Word of God like a newspaper and we just scan the headlines and go our way and we check the box, man, I I read my Bible today, you're going to find there are going to be many days where you're unaffected. And can I say that the whole idea of coming to the Word of God and having devotions, the whole idea of coming to church and being challenged in your Christian life is that you go away challenged. That you go away having, having encountered the Lord somewhere along the way in these pages right here. Nathan Cole was looking beyond George Whitfield. He sensed, he saw something of heaven in the meeting that day. Why? Because he was a great hearer that was looking for God in the message. You know, I'm afraid sometimes we trip up over the preacher. Our sight doesn't get much past the pulpit. God help us. If we're going to be great hearers of the word of God, if we're going to have experiences like Nathan Cole, then we need to look past the pulpit this morning. You need to look past the preacher this morning. You need to be looking for God in the pages of scripture. You need to be listening for God in the message today to do a work in your heart. You got to find God. Nathan Cole did that. Number two, great hearers, they know that God is able. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. It also says, and that he is a rewarder of them 
that diligently seek Him. How diligently do you seek God in your life? How diligently do you seek God in His Word? How diligently do you listen, do you seek God in hearing a message like this today? That will make the difference in what you get out of it. You know, that's something the preacher can't do for you. The yearning of your heart can't be replaced by the passion or the desire of the preacher. I can service those things on my end, but I can't do what's required on your end. Great hearers, they know that God is able, and they come with a yearning. They come seeking Him for answers to their life, knowing that He has the answer. You have decisions, you've got issues, you've got circumstances, you've got problems. God has the answer. God has the directions. God has the information that you need to make the decision. God has that. I could say it's in the book. This is the written word. God is the living word. If we find God, he'll show us the answer. That's why He is our source, and we always want to seek Him, even when we're having devotions, reading the Bible, or even listening to a sermon or Sunday school lesson from the Word. Seek God. Number three, great hearers see the Bible as God's Word. This isn't just a Christian textbook. This is the very Word of God. Hey, may I say this morning, if we paid the respect that we ought to pay to the Word of God, May I say that that like they would in a coronation, this book would be carried in on a velvet pillow with a long train of those following, and, and it would be put on careful display and read as the Word of God. But you know, often we don't look at this as the Word of God. We look at this as the Word of men. We look at this as the Word of historians And we just assume, because man had a part in this, that it came from men. But those who've studied it know better that no prophecy of old time came by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Hey, can I tell you something? The writings of man cannot furnish you to do the work of God. Only God can do that. And we need to be reminded this morning, and we need to have it in our hearts, and we need to always approach the Bible as the Word of God, because that's what it is today. Great hearers see the Bible as God's Word. Write this verse down, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. This is the text I was talking about earlier where Paul writes to the Thessalonian believers and he said this. He said, When ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. What does that mean? That means it doesn't work effectually in those who don't believe. Paul said, this book made a difference in your life. I'm going to tell you why. Because you received it as the word of God. 
and not as the words of men. It does make a difference what attitude you come to church with. It does make a difference what desire you hear the word of God with. It does. And whether the Bible's going to help you or not is determined by you, not by me. And Paul was sharing that great truth with the Christians at Thessalonica. Great hearers highly esteemed the Bible as God's truth, and they recognized his application of it to their lives. That's why Job said in Job 23, 12, he said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. God's word is that important. Number four, great hearers obey what they hear. In James 1, verse 22, the Bible says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. Why? Because James said that would be deceiving yourselves. Great hearers come to hear, having already determined to receive and obey the truth, not just to hear it. 1 Samuel 8, verses 4 through 7 tells us that you do not reject the truth or the preacher. When you reject the message, you reject the Lord himself, that he might not reign over you. Do you remember that? That's the words that God used to comfort Samuel. When Saul had disobeyed the command of God, remember? And he saved the king Agag and some of the sheep. He was supposed to destroy the enemy, and he did not. He did not follow God's instructions. And God said, because he did not follow my instructions, I'm going to remove him from being king, and I'll find a man after my own heart. It broke the prophet's heart. Samuel was discouraged over Saul's disobedience. And many a preacher knows the sorrow of that. Watching people hear the word but not obey it. Hear the word and not receive it. Learn the word and not apply it. How sad. But God said to Samuel, just as he would say to any preacher, it's not you they rejected. It's me. And when we hear God's word but refuse to receive it or believe it, when we hear God's truth but we refuse to live it, it's the Lord that we're refusing. You're refusing his work in your life. Number five, great hearers long to be true followers of Christ. Great hearers long to be true followers of Christ. What do we mean by true followers? Hey, when Jesus walked the earth, you know, there was a lot of people who followed him. But they weren't all followers. There's a difference of someone who's in the crowd following Jesus and someone who was one of his disciples. Isn't that right? Not everyone who followed him was called a disciple. The ones who were called disciples were the ones who were trying to live out his teachings. They were true followers of Jesus. The other people were there for other reasons. Remember Jesus said, oh, yeah, you followed me because I fed 5,000. You ate the bread and the fishes, and you were glad. 
Well, who wouldn't follow that? There's a lot of people that would follow that just to see it. Not to mention those who got to eat and were filled. But they weren't true followers. They weren't really learning the teachings or trying to live them at all. How about us? What category would we fit into? You see, because a a great hearer is somebody who, in their heart, they really long to be a true follower of Christ. Somebody who really does learn the Bible and and then makes attempts to put it into practice in their own life every day. A true follower. Not just somebody who's in the crowd. This is what is meant by Romans 12 too. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds get renewed through his word. This is how it works. We learn to see life the way God sees it. And we learn to apply his principles as we live. Hey, do you know the world wants to do everything but transform you? The world wants to inform you. The world wants to reform you, right? They're, in for, they're, in, they're into education and reformation, but not transformation. Oh, no, we don't need that. Yes, friend. Yes, we do. We need to be transformed. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again. He said, how can you be a leader in Israel and not know these things? Great hearers become true followers by living what they learn. The Bible speaks of true followers. Let me give you a couple of verses as we close. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. You can write them down and look them up later. These are great, great verses. Acts 17, 11 says, They received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Whether what things were so? The things they heard. You could tell they were really listening because they remembered what they heard and they went to find it in the Bible. This became the fact-checking method. Right here. I saw somebody post a picture of that on Facebook. It said, this is my fact-checker. I like that. That's Acts 17.11. Hey, every Christian needs to do that. Fact check the world with this and see what you come up with. You know, they claim to have the market cornered on education and science and history and all these areas. The world claims to know it all. (laughs) Really. Fact check it according to this and see how it looks afterwards. Hey, we need to align our lives with the Word of God just like they did In Thessalonica, as Acts chapter 17 tells us, that they searched the scriptures daily. And then in 1 Peter 2, verse 21, Peter said that you should follow his steps. Meaning that the Lord Jesus left some things for us as an example. That we should be like-minded, like in Philippians chapter 2. Having the mind of Christ, that of a humble servant. Being willing to serve others and the Lord in all that we do. Titus chapter 2, verse 7 says, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. Because there are some people who may not come to this, this word. They may not come to this service, this church. 
but they may see your life and you may become a living example of God's will and God's work and it may speak to them to draw them to Christ. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3 says this, And every man that hath this hope in him, he's talking about the hope of seeing Jesus as he returns. Hey, one day we're going to, you know the Lord is your Savior? One day we're going to stand before him. We're going to give an account of our lives. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. That's what the Bible says. If you know Christ as your Savior, there should be a longing in you to get yourself ready to meet up with him. To hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There should be a purification process going on in your life because you know you're getting ready for the meeting one day. That's true following. A true follower longs to follow Christ. A great hearer is a true follower. Oh, I hope I've made the message clear this morning. And I hope I have sparked some desire in you today to be a great hearer of God's word. Hey, can I tell you a little secret? Great hearers, they don't always have to be sitting under great preachers. Because of the things that are at work in their heart, because of the way they interact with the word of God, great hearers learn and grow in the Lord. Every time they come in contact with God's word, whether the preacher's dynamic or not, he could be a little monotone. You know, like Jonathan Edwards, another one of those great preachers of years gone by. The one who preached that famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You remember when they heard him preach that, the Bible says that people in the congregation were gripping the pews. They were, they were under so much conviction. They were afraid the floor was going to crack open and they were going to drop into hell straightway. Well, if you read your history, Jonathan Edwards, he had poor eyesight. He just, he just stood behind the pulpit. And because of his eyesight, they, they didn't even have microphones. He just stood there and, and he just he read his sermon like this all the way through to them. You know, that's a good example where it wasn't really the preacher. It was the great hearers who responded that made that such a great meeting. What a powerful truth. Hey, if you and I become great hearers, then there's no excuse. Hey, we could have revival all by ourselves. Us and God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, how we love you today and how we love your word. And how we ask, Lord, with all of our heart that you'd help us to be great hearers. Lord, may we love you, may we long for you with all of our heart, and every time we come and approach the Word of God, may we come with the right mindset, attitude, and faith 
May we have our mind made up that we already believe, Lord, help us to receive what you have for us. And I pray that every time you speak to us, our answer will be yes. Yes, Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. Whatever that may be. Now lead us and guide us by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.